right? And live a happy, healthy, and productive life. And the hours of sacrifice that they put in ultimately to strengthen me, right? Whether intentional or not, they engraved in me a way of living and this philosophy, which is to embrace pain, to avoid suffering. And when that happens, you ultimately gain freedom. And so that really led me, right? So that's the concept that I've used to not only overcome this unique injury, but it's the same concept that my business partners and I used to build our last business in the insurance world from quarter million of revenue to over 15 million of revenue within the span of a decade. And it's how I've now transferred it to be able to help hundreds of individuals and organizations become the best versions of yourself, themselves by becoming more aware, more intentional, and more of who they already are, to use one of your words, <laughs> their most authentic selves. Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. What up? Welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. I'm super excited today because the guests that I have with me, we had a chance to talk just a little bit offline a few weeks back. And as we did so many of the things we were talking about, it was almost as if I was talking to a mirror. Very different backgrounds in terms of where we've come from, the challenges that we've faced, the life even that we've lived to this point, uh, but really in the way that we think, in the way that we're approaching so many different things, and as a matter of fact, even in a lot of the ways that we're interacting with the clients that we do. So I'm super excited to welcome with me today, Brian Bogert. He is a human or human behavior and performance coach. Uh, he has a illustrious background in the health insurance world, which I did a stint there as well. And uh, he's now on to this next season and level of his career though he's been doing it for a while. So I'm super excited to have you, Brian. Thanks so much, man. Man, I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun and I couldn't agree more. We chatted and so many synchronicities that I, it was just amazing. We had to reconnect and we're going to figure out ways to collaborate over time. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. And, you know, you, uh, I, I think I told you this last time, like you live in a state that I love too, right? I mean, I'm in California and um, I have grown to dislike California more and more the longer that I'm here. Uh, but, and as my wife and I have talked about potentially, you know, following the exit of everybody else in California, uh, Phoenix, Arizona has been a, a, a big place for us. Climate's pretty good, though it gets a little hot. Good people, reasonably chill. We got some family there. So I love that you're there. And I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous, even though it's probably really hot right now. Oh man, we're setting records this year. We've had more days in a row over 110 degrees right now than we have in our entire history. And we've got at least another seven days in the forecast. So I'm from here. I like the weather, but man, you're right. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty warm right now. So thank, thank God for air conditioning, right? That's right. Yeah. And pools don't even do any good because they're just wet. They aren't even cool. <laughs> I know. I know. That's pretty interesting. Okay. So um, you have a pretty wild story and I don't often actually like to dig too deep into that because I feel like, especially as I've been a guest on other people's podcasts, you know, they want you to tell your story and it's like, I've told this thing thousands of times. And I know that it's interesting because my audience hasn't heard from you before. Um, but sometimes I'm like, maybe they just don't want to talk about that anymore. Or that's not necessarily who they are. That's just kind of what's helped shape them. But you've got a pretty great one. And it really has informed the way that you work in the capacity that you do literally today. So why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit about or a lot about if you want to, and maybe I'll interject a few times of what's got you to this point and why you decided to take really this huge leap that you have. And you can uh, uh, share that once you get to that part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to keep it relatively high level. I'll give some of the big details for a second, because I think I'm going to give the details that matter most and we can dive deep wherever we need to. But just for your listeners, for just a moment, I want everybody to just pause and close your eyes for a second. I want you to imagine walking out of a store after a successful shopping trip, and turning your head to see a truck barreling 40 miles an hour right at you. That's where my story begins, or at least this portion of my story. My mom and my brother and I went to the local Walmart to get a one inch paintbrush. And as we're leaving the store, I've always had an excitement and a vigor for life. And so I get to the car first, not surprising to my mom and brother. I'm waiting for them to catch up to unlock the doors. I just want to get home and use that one inch paintbrush. 
And as I'm standing at the car, holding onto the handle, waiting for my mom to unlock the doors, the truck pulls up in front of the store and the driver and the middle passenger get out. Passenger all the way to the right, feels the truck moving backwards and did what any one of us would do. Moved over to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up onto the steering wheel and up onto the dashboard. And before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us. Now we were in an end spot, right? So he had enough momentum and enough speed. He went up and over the median, went up and over the tree in the median, hit our car, knocked me down, ran over me diagonally, tore my spleen, left a tire track scar on my stomach and continued on to sever my left arm completely from my body. So it's 10 feet away, and we just talked about the heat in Arizona. This was August 10th, 1992, 115 degree day, and we're laying on the asphalt, which adds another 10 to 15 degrees with my arm detached 10 feet away. Now my guardian angel walked out of the store right when that happened. She immediately saw the life and limb scenario that was in front of her, and she went right into action. She came over, she put pressure on the wound, stopped the bleeding, and saved my life, which was the most important part. And she also did not neglect to recognize that unless she acted quickly, that arm was going to be just dead cooked meat on the, on the asphalt. So she instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, fill it with ice from the convenience center, and my arm was on ice within minutes. So not only did she save my life, but she gave me the chance to have my arm reattached. So I'm going to expedite the rest of the details of this part of the story. But what you have to realize is that this wasn't a one, two, or three surgery ordeal. This was a 24 surgery ordeal. And so fortunately, I had a physician that was aware enough and intentional enough in everything that he did that he flagged and tagged things and he tapped into the spare parts bin that we call our body to be able to rebuild my arm so I'd hopefully have some element of function at some point. And so I know a lot of the listeners were probably not expecting it to go there today. Mm -hmm. right? and, and, and yes, I have a very unique story. But what I've also realized is that we all have our unique stories. And what's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from those stories and then become intentional with how do we apply them into our lives and become intentional with how do we tap into each other's stories so that we can use the collective wisdom to shorten our learning curve for every one of us. The other, so I've learned two primary lessons out of this. There's a whole lot of other things, but the two that really guide my life are first, I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. Mm. And then the second, I didn't realize until far later in life, but this is one of my guiding principles. And one of the areas I spend most of my time working with coaching clients and on stage speaking is around this concept. And it was ingrained in me from the time that my parents were putting me in therapy three days a week to be able to occupational therapy and physical therapy, be able to move my arm, regain function, regain feeling so that I could have full practical use that I have today, right? And live a happy, healthy, and productive life. And the hours of sacrifice that they put in ultimately to strengthen me, right? Whether intentional or not, they engraved in me a way of living and this philosophy, which is to embrace pain, to avoid suffering. And when that happens, you ultimately gain freedom. And so that really led me, right? So that's the concept that I've used to not only overcome this unique injury, but it's the same concept that my business partners and I used to build our last business in the insurance world from quarter million of revenue to over 15 million of revenue within the span of a decade. And it's how I've now transferred it to be able to help hundreds of individuals and organizations become the best versions of yourself, themselves by becoming more aware, more intentional, and more of who they already are, to use one of your words, <laughs> their most authentic selves. Yeah. And so... What happened, you asked me, how did I pivot into this? And I'll, we can unpack that a little bit later um, throughout this piece. But one of the big pieces was really, I had to embrace the pain of recognizing that I wasn't on the path that I felt like I should have been on hmm. and that I was really put on this planet to do to avoid the suffering of not ever knowing what impact I was going to be capable of making on the planet. So we can unpack that a little bit later. Yeah. So uh, there was obviously, you know, when anybody hears a story like that, right? I mean, so many just millions of things go running through people's heads and we all hear that differently. I think one thing that was really unique in the midst of that was, and it's not even about you, was, you know, the people 
uh, that ran to your aid. And obviously this mm-hmm. woman, this, I think that's what we said, you know, this first responder that was there to help you. And in one sense, it's like, okay, you know, they've been trained to do that. that that's what they do. But then there was this other group of people who in any other environment for you to tell somebody to go get a cooler and put a limb inside of it would have just blown people's heads off. Yeah. But it's so interesting that when, when we are faced with these heightened states of tragedy or occurrence, we go into this, this desire to really just wipe away all the emotion and just attack the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And I love that because you, you typically hear the other side of that, right? Where people run from it. And, and I talk about it a lot too, right? We see a challenge, we turn and run in the other direction. But for some reason, when things get really, really bad, People just jump in to help. And so I loved, I, I loved hearing that. And then the other thing, and, and this is more you know, common along of what you said, but you, know, you can't get away from your story for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest ones is because you continue to wear that limb and yep. it shows the scar. Like it's there and you can never completely put that away. But even in that, there's a lot of people that would try to do everything they could to erase the event from memory, right? It's yep. like, I see it now, but I, but I don't ever want to talk about it again. And I feel like there's such a big mistake because, as you said, that is what has helped fuel you. That's what's helped make you. And that is ultimately what is going to help you to invest into other people to do the same thing for themselves. So it's just such a shame to hear that people don't do that, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like often when people are faced with tragedy, they do one of two things, right? And I told you, I learned not to get stuck, right? A lot of people get Mm -hmm. stuck. They hide it. They bury it. They try to avoid it. um, Or they find a way to use it productively in their life, right? Which Mm -hmm. obviously goes right to my whole (laughs) philosophy, which is embrace the pain to avoid the suffering. And, you know, again, I'll give examples of what that actually means in ultimately all areas of our life, but you're exactly right. And by the way, you gave me chills when you acknowledged the people who came to my rescue. Mm. Uh, You would not believe, and I've told this story probably thousands of times at this point in my life, and you might be the only person, probably the only person who paused and realized that those people are the reason I'm here today. And I don't take that lightly. And that is not lost on me, which is also why I integrate them into my story. Because if they had not done that, I wouldn't be here. Um, And have the ability to be with you and be with your guests and help people and have impact on the world, right? If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, no, that's that. And, you know, I guess part of the reason that that is so, uh, I don't want to say interesting to me, but stands out so much to me is because, you know, like my own, I, I remember um, uh, in the midst of the mass shooting that we were involved in, and I, I'll never forget, <clears throat> um, all the lights were out. They had killed all the lights, and it was nothing but the Vegas Strip lighting. And so it was just casting this very eerie shadow as shots oh, yeah. continued to rain out. And my wife and I were stuck up against um, this barrier that was a temporary seating that people were that had been sitting in. And as we turned and panned back out into the crowd, in the midst of all this going off, I mean, our, our friend was out there. She had already died. Um, a, a, my best friend was standing over the top of her, so I saw that shadow. But then I also watched. It wasn't even just the after effect of watching it happen, but in the moment, I was watching people that were willing to risk their life, ignorantly or otherwise, or intentionally, and they just jumped back in to help. Bullets were still flying, like people were still being hit and would die. And it was like, I'm just gonna do whatever I can to help. And I feel like that, though this is not really what we're talking about today, but like in, in, in a season of life that we are in oh, societally, yeah. and this consistent narrative in which we are at war with each other over whether it's the biggest and most important of things or the smallest and stupidest of things, we have made enemies with everybody else. We're seeing nothing but evil portrayed on TV and in the media. And yet, when the worst things happen, good people show up and are willing to do whatever it takes 
to help somebody out. And I feel like that story needs to be told more regularly because that is what will help fuel us yeah. to desire to do the same. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, again, was getting chills while you were telling your portion of the story. We had the chance, obviously, to jam on this a few weeks ago. But as you're talking about that analogy, right? I mean, I look at the state of the world right now, and we've got bullets flying everywhere, mm. right? We have bullets flying everywhere. And unfortunately, I do still think that there's a, a segment of good people who are trying to jump in, risk their own lives to save the rest of us and bring us all together. But imagine the impact if we all banded together against all the issues that are going on in our society right now. And we all were willing to put ourselves at risk for the person next to us, right? Versus being well, okay, so selfish. Freeze, freeze on that, freeze yeah. on that. Because you said something so like, imagine. And so again, to you it happened. Mm -hmm. And when that woman came over the top of you and was like, oh my gosh, she stops the bleeding. She turns to those people. She wasn't like, hey, Brian is a conservative white male and he is a registered whatever. Um, and he really prefers that we don't talk about certain things in yep. public, but at the same time, he advocates for these types. Nothing. A it human was life. literally like, a yes. human life was at, at was, was dangling right yes. then. And when human lives are in jeopardy, which, oh, by the way, much of what we're going through right now, human lives are being impacted. Yep. Right, human lives. I don't care whether it's the actual virus, the financial impact of the virus, if it's all the racial and segregation issues that we have going on, and the diversity issues, and the lack of like love and connectedness. Like, I don't care what it is. Right now, we're being polarized and politicized to separate us. Yep. When in reality, what we all seek most is connection. We yep. all seek human connection. We all seek commonality. We all seek togetherness. And so, we've got to break the noise and really be able to forge through that like my savior did, right? Like some of the people who came to rescue to, to probably save lives in the incident you were in and so yep. many other tragedies that we've witnessed in our lifetimes. Um, it's those people with selfless acts who just act with conviction for the betterment of human lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a question for you um, that I, tenderly dance around typically, but I want to put this out there because, yeah, um, yeah I just do. So um, you clearly uh, wear this very public scar. Um, how do you separate yourself from just being the guy that has a deformity in his arm because at one point in his life, it was cut off? Yeah, so it's interesting you say that because I very much actively tried to separate myself from it from different periods of my life with the exception mm -hmm. of certain environments I would be in, mm -hmm. right? So I'll, I'll unpack that for you a little bit because I think this is yep. an important part. I mean, I will tell you that as a kid, the one thing that I hated most was being the victim the one thing I hated most was people assuming that because my arm looks like this, I'm not capable of something mm -hmm. that I, that I can't hang on the playground, that I can't play at a high level in sports, that I can't blah, 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 whatever. Right. I can't anything. And the amount of times that I got that narrative is shocking. And so I had to shut that off. And what I did to shut that off, frankly, was I shut off physical pain and I shut off emotional pain and I built this crusty exterior that basically created this narrative to the world that it's like, I've got everything handled. I'm good. I don't need help from anybody. Yeah. Right. And to some degree, I never really tried to hide it, but I also didn't draw attention to it. Right. It's a part of who I am. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I never have been. Um, do I look different? Do I stand out when I'm in a pool with my shirt off? Of course I do. But when I'm in my normal everyday life, 95% of people don't even notice because although it's smaller, although I have scars, I've never coddled it. I've never babied it. I just, it's a part of who I am. So I'll have friends for years and I'll say something about my accident. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then I'll tell them and it blows their mind. Hmm. And I tried so hard for so long to not have that be my only narrative, meaning my arm, right? And oh yeah, mm -hmm. look at me and look at the deformity and look, look what, what can happen. And so the, the 15 years that I spent in the professional world, in the health insurance space, in the risk management space, in establishing a business and in the philanthropic work that I did, I don't really talk about my arm. I haven't talked about my arm in 15 years with the exception of when I'm on stage, when I'm coaching and where it's relevant. As I've made this transition and really 
started to move into a different place in my life where I can have greater amounts of impact through my speaking and coaching work, I had this aha moment where the light bulb went off where it's like, look, here's the thing. I actually should lead with my story in a lot of cases because it draws attention and where it draws attention, we then can focus on impact. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I like, just, it's been a part of me, the reality of it is, is there was a huge part of my life that I, it was secondary. It was third, it was fourth, it was fifth. Often I would have friends for years that I never even talked about with it because I wanted to establish myself, not based on this. I wanted to establish myself and prove to the world that like I could be successful, that I could build a business, that I could have impact in the community despite my arm. And so I never even talked about it. Now what's interesting is when I lead with that, and I have the ability then to also pivot and talk about philanthropic work and building businesses and leading people and all these different things. It's more just like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Like your arm happened, but you've done all this yeah, other stuff, yeah. right? And so I'm at a point in my life where I, I am leading with it in a lot of cases. I'm telling my story more now than I probably ever have. Mm -hmm. um, but part of that too, I think, was also the shame that I had to unpack in my own life, mm -hmm. right? Which was probably connected to this, even though I, this wasn't what I was hiding. It was right me showing up and trying to do big things, but being afraid to talk to the world about it because you know what? I was afraid to talk about this for a long time because I didn't want the attention only because of it. So the same thing has been true when I've accomplished big things in my life. I don't talk about it because I don't want it the attention just because of that, because that's not who I am. It's something I've done. This isn't who I am. It's something that happened to me and has shaped me and given me perspective. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Um, but but I, I mean, I, it's just a part of who I am at this point in my life and I lead with it where it can have impact outside of that. I, I don't, I don't. Well, no. And, and I love the way that you did unpack that because um, again, your story is far more um, impactful and um, tragic than most people will ever have to go through in their life. Mm -hmm. Thank God that that is the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yet we all have things that have been done to us, that we have done, that have shaped us to be the person that we are today. Mm -hmm. And I think too often, we only look to the positives. We only look to the victories to, to believe that that is what shaped us to be the person that we are today. Yeah. And yet, everything Every good decision, bad decision. Every good event, bad event. Every single time that I grew in some way, every single time that I lost in some way, it has shaped me to be me. And if I am able to understand that well, which you just shared, like your journey to get to that place, if I can understand that well and learn to tell that in an authentic way, but in a powerful way, yep. then I begin to realize why all that happened and how I can impact somebody else in the same way. So I love that you said every bit of what you said the way that you did. So well, thank yeah, thank you. I mean, Brother, you're giving me chills all throughout our conversation today. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, you're, you're, you're just, I love the words you're dropping and how you're repackaging some of this stuff. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's honestly- air conditioning. <laughs> I am getting a little breeze. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, honestly, brother, like you, like what you just said is so powerful because I believe that to my core. Mm -hmm. I believe that I endured all the pain I have. I believe that I've had to overcome all that I have. And again, we've only unpacked little pieces of my story. I told you more about it when we talked the other day. Um, but I truly believe that I did that so that I can spare others suffering. So that others can learn from the trajectory of life that I have been on. And to yep. be able to package that in a way to be able to help shorten their learning curve, give them tools, techniques, application, right? They don't need to have their arm ripped off to understand and connect and resonate mm. with other lessons I've learned. And yep. so, but does it get their attention? Yes. And does attention lead to potential impact? Yes. And so I carry that with great responsibility, but I yeah. feel that. I feel like I've been through everything I have been so that I can help other people. <clears throat> Dude, okay, so you said something else. I, I had another track that I was getting ready to go and we're gonna go there at some point. All right. But you said that like you treat that with great responsibility. Mm -hmm. That was another just magical word that you so nonchalantly, and I know you meant it, but like just so nonchalantly rattled off. And yet again, like, you know, 
I would hope that everybody, like I, I have a, a, a deep faith in God, like that, that is where I believe I was created from, my purpose is. Not everybody has to be there, but I do mm -hmm. believe that everybody should believe they have purpose. And yep. so if you have been put on this earth with purpose, wherever you believe that came from, I am 100% convinced that you must take responsibility. Yes. And dude, so when you said that, that is like, again, just so magic. Like, take responsibility for your words, for your actions, for the things that are happening to you, not in the yep. sense that you can control them, but what you are gonna do with them as the result. Yep. Like, if you want to be the best version of yourself or however you define that, like, that's one of the key things that starts with. So, dude, that was like, sick and you didn't even really mean to say it like i just said it but that is no but awesome. but but again you're repackaging everything to make me sound that brilliant so thank you <laughs> um no but but i i do i do believe that um and you know that was a big reason for my transition uh you know when my wife and i were talking this was about a year ago she you know she looked at me i had some other health stuff that was going on i won't unpack it right here but ultimately she looked at me as we were going to pick up our kids after a great weekend and she's like how would you feel if you didn't have to go to the office on monday morning I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, your insurance, right? Like if you didn't have to go do that, what, how would you feel? And you know, I was overwhelmed with fear and shame and like all these things that I had to unpack. But and I said, that's a lot. Why don't you tell me where you're going? And she said, well, I feel like you let some of this other health stuff allow fear to enter into your world in a way that you never have. And she said, and you've convinced yourself that we need the money, we need the success, we need what we've built in this $15 million business with your partners, right? That, that we need the prestige. That we, and she's like, I'm here to tell you we don't. And she said, I feel like you're not having the impact on the world that you want. I feel like every day you spend on insurance, you're dying a little bit inside. And she said, the reality of it is I also feel like you're just barely scratching the surface of your potential. So if you want to take another chance, if you want to take a leap, I'm behind you 110%. We took a bet on you once. We'll double down on that bet and go after this. And as I was unpacking all these things, you know, what's interesting is a lot of people ask like, what, why'd you do this? Right? Why did you make this big leap? Why did you walk away from, from good income, good security, all these things to go, to go build the world? And one of the biggest motivators, and this is going to sound a little crazy, and I haven't talked about this on a podcast before, but um, that prior year before that, I knew six men, four of them under the age of 40 who had committed suicide, who were all like life in the party, happy people, but like we just didn't, right? Somebody missed something or there was just so much pain that was so deep, suffering, frankly, that was so deep. And some of them were embracing the pain and going and getting therapy and were inpatient and they still, the suffering was so bad, they didn't view it as any other alternative. And I looked at this and I, I said, simplistically, if I could save just one person's life in the work that I do, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're on the brink of committing suicide, but sure. somebody who's living a miserable life who can find joy, freedom, and fulfillment through it, that's also saving their life yep. because they yep. get meaning back into it. They get all that joy. And so I literally was like, I have a responsibility because I've been given a certain set of gifts. I've been given a certain set of stories and lessons and ways that I can package it and help other people. It would be a shame if I didn't follow through on that. Right. And it would be my responsibility to do what I could to make whatever impact I could to save somebody's life. And so that was one of the major decision points. The other one was one, how are my kids going to view this? I don't want them to look at, right. He's just going to hit the easy button because he's got a lot of money there and all that's great. <laughs> he's going to turn into the challenging route, right. And embrace the pain of chasing my dream to have the impact on the world, to avoid the suffering of not ever knowing what, what I could be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about regret minimization theory, Jeff Bezos popularized this theory. It's like when you're looking back on your life later, when you talk to anybody in a retirement home, anybody on their deathbed, what they regret most are the things they never tried. It's not the things they tried and failed. So what you said earlier in our conversation is so critical, right? Because those failures, those road bumps, those overcoming of adversity, often I learn greater, more powerful lessons from those than anything else. Yeah, and so I just had to ask myself, like, do I have the courage to fulfill my responsibility and what I believe to be my purpose on this planet. And it took me a minute to get there, but I ultimately found it and that's what I decided to do. So I executed my buy sell and now I'm, I'm doing my human behavior, performance coaching and speaking full time because I want to impact a billion people in my life. And again, if I can just save the life of one person, it'll all be worth it. Okay. So again, just going back and reframing some of the things that you just said, because people, I know this, we all do this. When we listen to people on podcasts or on video or tell a story, whatever, it's like we're very 
um, enamored by their story and we're like, oh yeah, that, no, that's really cool. But when you started at the very beginning of this episode and you said, pause for a minute and imagine, right? So it's like, we, we need to take these moments to reset. So a couple of things, if you're listening to this right now and in the midst of Brian and I's conversation and you're like, well, how do I do? Like, wh what is this for me? So number one thing that he said just in the last couple of minutes is whether it's your spouse or it's a business partner or a friend, I think that what Brian's wife told him to do that's the type of person that we need surrounding us and in mm -hmm. our closest of circles. It's, I don't care what you accomplish so long as you fulfill the life that you have been created to live, yes. right? Like my words, you know, uh, stated there, but it's like she, she could have said, babe, you're 15 years into this industry, 10 more. And, and our lives are set forever. I mean, they're, 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 you know, you, you had a good exit anyway, but like, this is, this is really like just 10 more years, right? I mean, and it would have been astronomical. Yep. He didn't want you to live that life. No. And, sh and she believed, she believed enough. Yes. In you, but ultimately in the fact that you had a purpose and I loved hearing yeah. that, which then you passed down to your kids. So you told me you're six and five. One of the things that we want to teach our kids is you be you, you yeah. understand you, you live to be you. I don't care what you accomplish. So and do what makes one. you happy. Yes. Not what others absolutely. tell you you should be doing. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the second part to that again is then you, and this is the dynamic that my wife and I have had too. And it, 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 it's great responsibility for her to, to trust me, mm -hmm. but once you were like, okay, like, I trust that you're telling me the right things. I know that you trust me to make the right decision. So now I got to figure out what specifically that means. And the fact that you said, I'm willing to do nothing else, but just make sure that I impact the life of one or whomever gets put into my path. Again, ultimately that's what we're after that goes all the way back to our human to human connection conversation yep. to start and so that's what we need to be looking at it's not that you can't make millions of dollars go do that it's not that you can't be a number one bestseller go do that i don't care what you want to do but if you don't have purpose and intention that truly fulfills your life right what the hell are you doing with it yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more with everything you just said yeah and that's, uh, again, I mean, I, I, it's not lost on me. I feel very blessed to have a wife that had the courage herself to challenge me. She mm -hmm. threw a dart and hit the bullseye. And you and I both know, right? I think there's a large majority of spouses that would have had the narrative that you brought up, which is just 10 yeah. more years or just five yeah. more years or just two more years. And my wife was like, can you leave tomorrow? <laughs> I was like, well, well, and, well and, and I should say, right? Like that's, 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 I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to demonize that perspective. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Because, and I know you're not either. I just, I want to make sure people hear that. It's like, that's not bad. There's wisdom in continuing in your career and building a good solid retirement. But I think the key thing that people miss out on, particularly those that perform at a high level, and we're talking the top couple percent in whatever yep. industry they're serving in, not by income, but by performance. Yep. But I think that the one thing that those people miss out on most is things are so good all the way around that they miss out on that key one to 2% of themselves that will truly send them into a stratospheric category that they have agree. no idea even existed. 100% agree. And the thing is, is like we get into these patterns in our life because our parents or the world or culture or whatever says that we should be doing certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, you said something earlier and it's probably the only thing that I would actually feel good about attaching the word should to. And you said, I feel like people should be chasing their purpose. And I repackaged that. I might not have said it exactly no, no. as you said it, but no, you said should, right? Should have a purpose in life and should be chasing it. And the reason I don't like the word should is because it's automatically a shame-based word. It's implying that yeah. whatever you're doing isn't good enough. But yeah. what we end up doing as a result of it, right? You think about the rawness and the authenticity of our kids and how we're just trying to harness them to be who they are and have joy and happiness. I think the alternative is, is so many times the narrative is, well, this is not what you do. This is what you, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You should do this. You shouldn't do this. And we start like literally just creating these patterns and these messages and a narrowing tunnel, frankly, of like the way the kid needs to operate and live in the world. 
I mean, so many of us have had that influence in our lives. Yep. And when you start to break free from that, right, what I realize is that all the shoulds, all the roles, all the narratives on the roles we think we need to exist in this world, to become our most authentic selves, it's not about adding. It's about shedding layers. Yep. It's about yep. shedding those patterns. It's about shedding those behaviors. It's about shedding the emotional triggers. It's about creating a higher level of awareness so that we can be more intentional and more of who we already are. Um, and the reality of it is it's like that, that is the key piece. And so what's funny, you work with a lot of high performers. I do as well. And many of them on paper look like they've got the best life ever, right? Mm -hmm. Tons of success, tons of money, tons of stability, tons of, many of them are miserable yep. because they haven't actually aligned their life with something they care about. They've just found a way to use their skill sets to monetize, grow, create security, which again, I don't demonize any of that at all. Right. But I think you can have both. Yep. Well, and the, sh and the shame there is, and again, I, I could get going on this forever, but like the shame in that is they don't even see that they are, you could say miserable, discontent, discontent, unsatisfied, because all of the metrics that are able to be measured are being nailed. Yep. But this true sense of living out our purpose, of real fulfillment, of joy, and of happiness, those are damn hard, if not impossible to measure on paper. Yep. And so because of that, it's like, I can't see where I'm off there, but all these other things I'm nailing. And again, they're doing the right things. It's just, they need to recognize that there's one piece. And for somebody like yourself, and obviously this has been a lifelong journey, but literally not to be crass, it took you getting run over by a car and getting your arm cut off for you to end up realizing 20, 30 years later that you needed to do something different with your life. Yep. Yep. And it's a shame to think that other people need tragic events, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, like some devastating thing happening to themselves, whatever it may be in order to get to this place. And so that's why I get you when you said like that should is so dangerous. And I've tried to be so careful about how I force things onto yep. people. I don't want to impose my beliefs, but this is the one where I'm like, I am begging people with all of my heart yep. to seek out what they were truly called to do, and then go freaking do it. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And you know, it's interesting. I'll just, I'll just tease myself for a second. Here's the funny thing. You say it's like, yeah, getting run over by a truck. You'd think that was the one thing, right? But as you know, <laughs> right. Right, I'm dense enough that one event didn't cause me to figure it all out, right? I rebroke my arm and almost lost it again when I was snowboarding, had my arm hanging by my side for 10 months when I was 20 re-experienced a bunch of these things, have I had a whole bunch of other little mini tragedies. And then some of the other health stuff that I talked about before was a result of multiple brain injuries, traumatic head injuries, and a growth hormone deficiency that translated. I had three major physical things, despite whatever else the world challenges and adversity threw across my path, but three physical things that caused me to go inward to get really clear on what you just talked about. And I think what's interesting is we actually all have an opportunity right now because we're in a collective trauma as a world. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the narrative I've been talking about is one, like, look, we have the ability to, we need to give ourselves permission to process because there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. right? We need to recognize that like, it's okay, given all the stress, emotional burden and everything. I'm not one of those that's like, if you don't come out of this better, you know, more successful or more, like there's a lot of that narrative too, which is all should and shame based, right? Not everybody has the capacity to do that amongst yep. all the pressure that we're feeling. So that's not the narrative I'm going to say. But the piece that I will say is this is an opportunity, whether or not we come out of it better or we just use this to gather better perspective, mm -hmm. more clarity, right? This is the time for many people to pause, right? And really start to take toll on what are the things that are additive in my life? What are the things that are draining for me? What are the things that are not fulfilling? Where are the things that I want to be spending more time, the people I want to be spending more time with and start to create that structure. And so, you know, this embrace pain, avoid suffering thing. I'll give a couple of examples because it can be applied right now. Right? Can you define like, that? That was actually something that I, uh, 20 minutes ago, um, I was like, oh, I want him to do that. So before you go there, can you give your kind of definition of those two terms? So you said pain and suffering. Some people yep. say, oh, it's one and the same. So what, how do you define those? Yep. You set me up perfect. That's exactly where I was headed. So <laughs> oh, um, oh, sorry. No, no, it was awesome. It was great. Um, Cause it, it gave me a great little entry. Um, pain is defined as short-term intermittent 
and a direct cause from an external event. Hmm. What we've done as a world is we tend to further clarify pain with qualifying words, acute and chronic. Mm. Well, chronic pain doesn't actually fit the definition of pain. Anything that's longer than short-term, intermittent, and remains after that direct cause has been removed isn't pain. It's suffering. The world tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. And I'm telling you, the world is wrong. What we need to do is learn to embrace pain, the right kinds of pain, to really put us in the place to avoid suffering and ultimately gain freedom, right? And pain is something that points us at what's important. Pain gives us perspective. Suffering, the problem with it is it creeps up on us. We adapt to it over time until the point that suffering starts to exist, it's often too late to reverse the effects. So if we look at this on, on a couple of different examples, right? We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym 30 minutes a day to avoid the aches and pains and suffering of a sedentary lifestyle. We can embrace the pain, right, of going to see a therapist because our emotional trauma, we haven't actually felt to heal. So if you don't feel, you don't heal, right? We can embrace the pain of turning into that difficult time to avoid the suffering of misery, heartache, loneliness, disconnected for the rest of our lives. We can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson in business because they're the biggest cancer on our culture to avoid the suffering of stagnated business growth, mm. right? Salespeople can embrace the pain of doing what they need every single day to fill the top end of the funnel to avoid the suffering of not having enough business to justify where they want to head. And this goes on, right? You can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a spouse or loved one to avoid really the suffering of being in a loveless marriage or frankly being stuck in a marriage you don't want to be in. So what I'm suggesting is that people need to acknowledge the suffering they wish to avoid, which is, by the way, getting clear on what's important to them. Where do they want to go? It's the opposite of that. Because if we're really clear on where we want to go, the things we want to accomplish, the things that we want in life, suffering is anything that's other than that. And then we need to identify the pains that we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them. So I'll use a gym example. This is one that's real for me. Okay. So I don't have a lat in the left side of my back. I don't have a tricep in my arm. My bicep is my gracilis. I have a curve in my spine because of the imbalance in the muscle structure. The older I've gotten, the more pain, but it's not really pain, it's suffering, has come into my back. I learned about 10 years ago that the more I stay lean, stay trim, stay strong, and I work out consistently, the more I can reduce that suffering. I have a higher risk of it than most people do. Okay, here's what happened for me though. It wasn't the actual working out that I was avoiding. It was the anxiety of going into a crowded gym. So what did I do? I pivoted and I built out my own gym at home because it wasn't the activity that I was avoiding. It was the environment that I was in, right? Now, some people, that's going to be completely opposite, but that's an example of saying, look, I could have just chalked it up to be like, well, I guess I don't work out. But that wasn't really the root cause. I didn't like to go work out in big box gyms, right? And so I had to really get aware and intentional to understand what that was so I could pivot and do that. And then lastly, we've got to establish embracing pain as a habit in everything we do. Because if we get clear on it, we understand where we're headed, we understand what our purpose is, we understand how we're going to look and who we need to be over the next period of time in our lives to do it, then we start to be able to get really clear on what are the daily actions we can take to become who we already are and to drive towards what we want. Because our actions demonstrate who we are to the world. Often, those daily actions are painful. <laughs> but I would choose pain short term, right? I was just uh, talking to somebody the other day. It's like, yo, stretching and yoga is super painful. Yeah, it is. But you avoid the suffering of having a super tight body that actually has a whole bunch of other ancillary effects. Yeah. Right. And so I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I will choose the pain of stretching any day over what it looks like to be just a rigid board because my muscles are so tight. Mm. Um, and again, think about that in everything we do in our business in our life and our relationships. How do we turn into those moments? Okay, so uh, one thing I talk a lot about is self-awareness uh, coupled into emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, everybody thinks they have it, few people really do. Yeah. Uh, so um, maybe either by sharing a little bit of your own practice there or even kind of how you help people. So it takes a significant amount of self-awareness and self-management, right, emotional intelligence, to get to a place where you can make decisions like that, where you can diagnose the root cause of the issue, which is like 17 down, tiers down the why question, right? It's yep. never like the first five <laughs> answers. So it's like, you know, I always say it's the analogy of the little kid, right? Why, you know, do this, why? 
Because I said so. Why? Well, because you're going to burn yourself. Why? Right. And so what does that practice look like for you? Or how do you help other people in that same manner? Because if we can't get there, everybody wants to like build the life, uh, create the habits, set the goals. And it's like, dude, you're missing the key component and everything else you've done is at best a shadow of what it could be. That's right. If you were to work at the beginning. So yeah. what does that look like? So I think it's, it starts with intentionality and the desire to become more self-aware. I'm going to give a couple of statistics to reinforce what you just said, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little bit. So our minds process 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. Hmm. So what that says is that we're largely led by the unconscious. And what that also means is that many people are going to just be victims of whatever life happens because they don't actually take control of the patterns that they create in their life because the unconscious is actually dictating and leading. So raising awareness is actually the process of moving the unconscious to the conscious so that we can then have control of it. Um, I'm a big fan of Dr. Tasha Yurik. Uh, she's one of the world-renowned experts on self-awareness research. And I had done this intuitively for a big part of my life. You even heard me say it in one of the lessons that I talked about is that, um, and it reinforces what you said, very few people actually are. Although typically over 50% of people actually believe they're self-aware, what her research has shown over the last decade is that only truly about 10 to 15% really are. And what she also said is oftentimes self-awareness gets paired with self-judgment. Mm-hmm. And so the downside to that, because raised self-awareness doesn't always turn into objectively better outcomes, because what happens totally. for a lot of people is increased self-awareness leads to all the ways they should be aware of how they should be judging themselves. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. And what she says is that typically what people are doing, and I'm going to jump on something you just said as well, is they're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. They're asking, why did this happen to me? Why did I get passed up for the promotion? Why did my coworker hate me? Why can't I work this out with my spouse? Why can't I get my kid to actually be motivated and do something? Why is my business stalled, right? Literally, like why? Well, why keeps us circling the drain because you can have a never ending list of whys. You even said it, you're like, you don't even get the answer until you're like on 17. People give up at five, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's like, if you can't get to 17 to get to the answer, then just cut out the why question. Why doesn't do us anything? I could have sat there early in my life and said, why did this happen to me? And guess what I did when it first happened? And then I'm laying there in the ICU bed next to kids with terminal illnesses that might not live three more months. Mm -hmm. And my life was secured. That why question went out very quickly. Mm -hmm. What she says is the proper question to ask is what? What keeps us future focused and objective? And so when I told you one of my major life lessons, I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. That was very intentional because I've done this a big part of my life. I try to take data, take toll on information, observe patterns, and then figure out what can I do about it, right? So we use some of the other examples that we just gave. It's like, what can I do to put myself in a better position of job? What can I do to better establish relationships with my coworkers? What can I do to get my kid motivated? What can I do to better establish this relationship with my wife, right? And the list goes on. And so for me, I am... I don't get my feelings hurt about feedback. I seek Mm -hmm. feedback because I feel like those objective opinions allow me to see myself better. So Mm -hmm. I have always taken toll on other people in my life, right? I listen to my wife. She's challenged me. We've grown. But I also have really been intentional for a big part of my life on really getting inside myself, understanding Mm -hmm. my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions, how am I responding to things? And in the last few years, I've escalated that process through very intentional meditation. Just to be perfectly honest, right? And so not everybody understands meditation, not everybody gets it, but like I look at it and it's like we all are working on some level, some level of vibration, some level of energy, and we can tap into that greater level of energy and lift our unconscious, lift our level of consciousness, we've got more clarity. So I'll give you one example of a time where I did this. This was probably a year ago and meditation actually helped me unlock and understand the scenario. The problem is most of the time we react with an emotional trigger to something right? That might not have anything to do with what's in front of us. And what do we do? Most times we just shut it down. We don't pay attention to it. We just like move on. We sweep it under the rug and and that's what it is. Well, I had a day where I'd started out. My morning routine was dialed in. I was, I was totally on on check. And I I do the same technique with my clients because we got to make sure that we understand how do we do this. I had three or four different things throughout the day that caused me to, you know, respond. And I didn't do anything with any of them in that moment because it just wasn't the right feeling, but I took toll of them. 
And then I get home later that night, and this was before COVID, this was about a year ago. So I get home, I get to my office, I've got an hour to get stuff done, I go inside, we've got dinner for an hour, and then we, do the, we put the kids to bed, same kind of normal routine. I get inside, I told you before, I've got a kid on the autism spectrum, I've got a daughter that's hearing impaired, I'm loud, our house is crazy loud, and I was on sensory overload like you couldn't believe. I was about ready to snap, right, at like my wife for like giving me something on my plate that was wrong, or like something that had nothing to do with her, it had everything to do with what had happened in my day. I bite my tongue, we get through bedtime and we go into our bedroom and that's the time my wife and I connect. We just unpack and I'm sitting there and I'm just intimately aware of being on sensory overload of my dog chewing on the bone, the fan blade flipping around and what was happening, my cat licking their paws. My wife comes in and she's got a beautiful voice and like she says something and it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. And I looked at her, I was like, babe, I, I gotta go out. I, I gotta go out to my office and like look at something. And she, you know, knowing her, she's amazing. She looks at me, she's like, yeah, you look terrible. You should do that. <laughs> so I go outside and I literally put myself into a meditative state. And in 20 minutes, I literally got an out-of-body experience where I was able to unpack each one of those four things on a proverbial whiteboard. What was the situation? What was the emotional trigger? What was the root cause of the trigger? Was it connected to that? Was it something that happened earlier in life? And one of them was a shame-based one. I literally visualized myself in a straitjacket, just confined and screaming to break free. And I just had the, the out-of-body experience. This doesn't happen every time I meditate, but in that moment, it was very clear. And I literally unpacked all four of them, took a deep breath in, deep breath out, and I released it. I knew exactly what it was, where it came from, what, what role it was playing in my life, how it impacted my day. And I walked inside calm, cool, and collected. My wife was like, what did you just do? Right? Meditation has the power to raise our level of awareness if we pay attention to it. If we can clear the mind, that's all I did at that moment. I focused on my breathing and I cleared my mind and that's what took place. Um, so that's a very learned and practiced behavior. It took me years of meditation to be able to get to a place where I could do that. Um, but that's one of the techniques that's escalated what I do. Yeah. And again, so I use different techniques of everything I just unpacked there with all of my clients because what we're not aware of, we can't control. Yeah. And so it's the first step, frankly. Yep. Well, so when you were talking about what's so interesting, uh, when you were talking about, you know, meditation and so this, this quietness, again, ties back to very beginning. Just pause for a moment. Yep. So I am a restless individual. I mean, I am like on all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah, nonstop. I'm like the yep. energizer bunny. And, and eventually it bites me, but like, that's just my personality. Always yep. going, going, going. I love to be around people. I'm very communal. Yep. Um, I love listening to music. I got stuff in the background, blah, 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 blah. Like the thought of quiet is literally like <laughs> the main of my existence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I decided, uh, late last year to read stillness is the key by Ryan holiday. Oh, yes. Phenomenal. And yes. so a couple of things that really stood out to me in there. One was uh, a quote that he recited by, I think it was blaze Pascal. And he says, and I don't agree to the extremity of his quote, but he says, all man's problems are tied up in his inability to sit in a quiet room. Hmm. I don't think all of our problems are there, but I do think that that creates yeah. a significant problem. And so that really hit me. And then the other thing that I did was because even if someone tells me that and they're like, your biggest problem is you just can't be quiet. And I'm like, okay, but I still can't do it. And so yeah. what I really appreciated about holiday and then your example meditation, maybe I say, and I don't even do this well, but like prayer, but it's like one of holiday's biggest things was everybody has their own way to be quiet. That's right. It gives examples of past presidents, famous people. And I think that again is so important. It goes back to self-awareness. What can I do to slow down my mind to be quiet in some sense or another and yep. just to focus? Yep. And so that's money because again, like, you know, I, in the beginning when I said like, we're firing on a lot of cylinders and yet you and I have some very differing views on certain things, mm -hmm. but we would agree that like, this is the end we need to get to. How you are going to get there, you can follow some similar paths, but how you yep. are going to get there is going to be your own. But if you don't, you're never going to unlock these opportunities that That's have right. been put before you by being alive on this earth today. That's right. That's right. And the thing is, when you quiet the mind, you open yourself to receiving. And that's the key as well, right? I feel like when we're constantly on, we're giving, we're producing, we're doing these things. We talked about, right, becoming your most authentic self is about shedding layers. When you just sit, you actually open yourself to receive the energy, to receive the thoughts. 
you're not trying to drive it towards a direction. So it's actually detaching, right? Which is about getting the right outcome versus being right and trying to overly control it. So I'm a big believer. Again, I wasn't for a long time. I'm like you, man, I can't sit still. It was painful for like the first couple of years of meditation, painful, right? I couldn't do it. I couldn't get into it. I tried guided. I tried all these things. And I just was like, again, I applied my own concept. If I embrace the pain, I'll avoid the suffering of not, right? Yeah. Um, until I got into sensory deprivation tanks. And that, if you haven't tried that, brother, like mm-hmm. that's something absolutely to look into. Um, one hour in the tank is equivalent to four to six hours of REM sleep. And it's one of the first places that I actually got that true out-of-body meditative state because it's just, we're on such sensory overload in today's world. Yeah. Everything, right? Phones and noises. And we're on such sensory overload that something, stillness is something of the past unless we're intentional about it. Yeah. And, you know, I had read a book a few years back called Peak Performance that was on that whole deal. My old mm. equation, frankly, used to be stress equals growth. The more I push, <laughs> the harder I push, the more weight I lift, the more I run, the more I, like, literally, it would be growth. And the, the truth is, there is some truth to that, right? Yeah. I have grown my capacity, my impact, all these things, the more stress I put into my life, I, yeah. constantly. But I was missing a variable because that isn't sustained growth. Yeah. That's intermittent growth. And that's what they outlined in this is that the difference of equation is there are peak performers who've reached top of the top in military, business, athletics by doing just that. Stress equals growth. The sustained performers, the top of the top, the billionaires of our world that we know who came from nothing, right? The people who've built empires, who've been consistent for 30 years in entertainment and athletics and whatever. The one variable that's different is rest and recovery. They schedule it as an important part of their training just as they would anything else. That's stillness. That's quietness. That's allowing your mind and your body to heal and recover. And that's how we have sustained performance. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's so, that's so, so good. And again, I mean, it's just, it's a constant reminder, even, you know, for me, as I, um, you know, I've, I've put a lot of focus into my recovery, into sleep. I wear a whoop band, which has been super duper helpful and tracking. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. they're so great. (laughs) Yeah. But still like, we can get content in that. And Mm -hmm. if we're not continuing to strive, I hate to say for more, but if we're not continuing to strive for more of those rhythms, eventually we are going to default. It's like, you know, uh, when we take any personality test, actually just did the Enneagram this morning, first time ever I've done it. I I knew almost exactly what it was, what it was going to produce. But You've also got to look at the other end of the spectrum and where you're deficient. That doesn't necessarily mean that like those things don't exist. It just takes intention and proactivity in order to address those things. And I think that's what people miss too. Is like, if you know you're deficient in areas, be intentional on focusing those, on bringing those to the top. If you can't slow down, you have to intentionally plan to slow down. Yep, you know, right. whatever it may be, I think it's so important. If you, you know, if you can't get into the gym because that environment just destroys you, bring the gym to you, right? Like yep. we have to make intentional decisions to move our life forward because if we don't, we are going to wither away and die. And life will just happen to us and we'll call it fate right? I seek an element of control to be able to really feel like I can influence my destiny. I know I don't have complete control, but I absolutely think I can influence. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. For, you know, I tell my clients all the time, I just preach this, you know, we we ultimately have control over two things and that's the effort we we put forth towards whatever we're doing and the reaction to whatever circumstance happens to us or Mm -hmm. around us. And, and, and yet if we don't take active decision in those things, then, oh my gosh, we are literally just the victim of whatever is going on around us. But we still chosen that path, right? Like it's not as though we just fell into it. Like we intentionally decided to take our hands off the things we could control. And we end up trying to control a whole bunch of other crap that doesn't work anyway. 100% right. Okay, so we have spent so much time. Like at this point, if you're listening and you do not hear how clear Brian is and what he is doing for other people, you need to practice focus and intention because <laughs> <laughs> it's all been here. I mean, we just we we have just been nailing it. But um, okay, so you are uh, today. Um, you have exited a very successful practice. You are now focused exclusively, though you were doing this previously, you are now exclusively focused on coaching high performers as well as doing 
uh, keynote, motivational speaking, mm -hmm. which obviously that's all virtual at the moment or for the most yep. part. So what, what, what does the coaching practice specifically look like if people are like, hmm, this guy sounds really interesting. I'd love to learn a little bit more. They can go to your website, but, um, and we'll share those things in the show notes. But what does that kind of look like? Do you have a couple of different ways they engage or, or how? Yeah, so I, I would tell you that predominantly there's one way that people engage me, at least on a one-to-one -one perspective. And I typically take them through a very intentional process. It's not like Brian's telling you to do this or you should do that. Again, that goes against everything I believe. But I have designed a very intentional process to be able to help raise the level of awareness and intentionality in everything they do. And it's an intrinsic tool to get clear on purpose and legacy and who they need to be and the actions they need to take. And so the one-to-one -one coaching is very hands-on and we can get really deep to recognize that we can break patterns, emotional patterns and those types of things. You know, the truth though is that I have recognized that not every single person, one has a desire to do one-to-one -one work, nor can they afford the one-to-one -one work potentially given where they're at in their life. And so I've put those same concepts that we've been applying for five years to hundreds of individuals to really get them to the next level, unlock, bring joy, fulfillment, freedom back into their lives and teaching them how to embrace that pain to avoid suffering. And we've put it into two different courses. There's a group led course for people who want some guided down that path, as well as connecting them with a the community, as well as a self led course, which gives a lot of video and uh, written content to guide them down that path. But all of that said, I do have a free offer for everybody because if you're not ready to do any of that, and you just want to figure out how can I get started? What are some of the things I need to think about? We've created a really simplistic tool to help people recognize some basic questions around purpose, legacy. How do we actually go down these things? And it's nolimitsprelude.com. There's a free download there. It's the output of the playbook that I created for a lot of my clients. It's the last couple of pages that are the alignment pages. And it, whether people are well along their path to understanding who they are, they're completely stuck and have nowhere to begin or they're somewhere in between, this tool will be of value to them. Awesome. Okay. So that, that link is definitely going into the show notes. I mean, it, if anything that Brian has said today has piqued your interest, hell, if there's anything that I said today that piqued your interest, I don't know why you would not go to that website, download that tool and at least explore some additional area of your life. There is no way, no way any of you has this figured out. I don't, he doesn't, we don't. The world's, like the best way to attribute this is to the elite athletes. And we watch the elite golfer, the elite baseball player, the elite basketball player, consistently trying to learn, grow, and put right. in more work to become better than they are today. I mean, we have Mike Trout in our backyard, who today is probably the best baseball player in the major leagues, I'm a little bit biased, but there's no way that guy's resting. Like there's no way. He has so much more room to grow. And so if you don't think you need to grow, that you don't have an area that you can address, like what are you doing? That's you are right. missing out on opportunities to impact the people that have, been being, that have been put in front of your life. So I always like to say there is no final destination. We are a constant evolution of ourselves. And the day that I wake up and I've got it all figured out, it'll probably be the last day of my life. And, yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, like that's just what it is. I, I, I'm learning every single day. Um, I've got coaches. I surround myself with people to help me see blind spots, help push me to the next level. Um, so I'm a big believer, not only because I'm literally practicing coaching myself, but I, I have coaches. Right. I, I think we all benefit from having external perspectives and additional people to bounce ideas off of and challenge us and keep us accountable. Um, so I agree with everything you said and whether or not they, you know, just download that thing or they connect with you as a coach or any of the above. Like I said, if I can just impact one life, if that tool helps one person, uh, I'm good. So, yeah, no, I mean, go to his website, download his tool. This is not about you coming to me, like figure this out. It's great to hear from other people. You probably listen to me a lot. And so it's good to hear a different perspective. Though we speak a lot of the same language, he's made a significant impact on many, many people's lives. Maybe yours is next. And so do not miss out on this gift that comes at the beginning of who knows what for you and him down the line. Um, beyond that, Brian, is there any other good ways for people to connect with you? Are you a social media lover or? So everything social media wise, my YouTube channel, all everything, they all funnel up to my website. So brianbogert.com, which I'll put in the show notes is another place. If people want to get in touch with me, they want to follow my content. All my social handles are there. Everything comes in there. So that's probably the easiest place because 
it's all in one spot. Perfect. All right, man, dude, this was bomb. I mean, I feel like I was just hanging out with a buddy. The only thing that would have maybe made it one level better is if I had an old fashioned sitting in front of me. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you drink or enjoy them or what, but yeah. like that would have just been kind of like the, the topping on the cake there. But this was fantastic. I mean, this inspired me to continue to seek inside of myself to drive me to want to be better i thoroughly have enjoyed getting to know you more and i think between you know uh, conversations we've had offline and now this one here it just is really telling of how deeply you believe in what you have been put on this earth to do uh, people that will hear this won't see that but go to youtube just watch him for a few minutes and you'll see it in his eyes so man thank you so much i just can't tell you how much i appreciate you and this time today I couldn't agree more. And dude, thank you for being you. Thank you for doing what you do and putting all this good out into the world and helping people become who they are. Because like I said, man, I, I view this very much as there's going to be people who resonate with you, people who resonate with me, people who resonate with others who do what we do. And the only way that we're going to really help move the needle is together, right? So that goes back to another point that we had. So I just, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you and your listeners, your audience. And uh, I just want to be a service. So um, thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Guys, that wraps up probably, sorry for everybody that, uh, that's been on here to this point, but one of my favorite conversations to date, I mean, it just, it really charges me up. Um, and again, it's not because we agree on everything, but because we really, I think, agree on some of the most important things. If this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate it so much for you to share it, for you to subscribe on your favorite platform, rate it if you have the opportunity to do that. You'll have Brian's contact information, mine as well. Feel free to give as much feedback as you would like. And ultimately, as I try to remind everybody as often as possible, is if you want the most out of the life you are living, be yourself. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.